every leader has a strategy. Executing on that strategy is the challenge. If you want to learn how to effectively achieve what you've set out to accomplish, then this show is for you. Gain keen insights and listen in as leaders share their stories and challenges. Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation welcome you to Leader Dialogue Radio. Hello, this is Duffy Dixon with Business Radio X. Thanks for joining us. Let me introduce you to two leaders from Soar Vision Group. Ben Sawyer is the Chief Executive Officer, and Jennifer Strahan is President of Business Optimization Services for Soar Vision Group. Now, Ben, let's remind listeners what you do for companies. So every organization has a strategy, but execution is the problem. We help them execute on their strategy. We have a system called a strategy execution system that when we help them with that, they have significant gains. And Jennifer, you're a big part of this. You've partnered with over, I think, 100 healthcare systems using this system, this strategy, getting people to their best. How, you know, how does that work? Right. So essentially when you're looking at strategy execution and why organizations tend to fall um, short of that strategy, there tends to be three gaps. So one, there's a knowledge gap, two, there's a performance gap, or three, there's a visibility gap. So a knowledge gap could be, hey, we know what our goal is, but we just don't know how to act on that goal. Two, for a performance gap, could be that we are actively pursuing it, but maybe not in the most effective way. Maybe there's competing priorities, whatever the case is, where you're not executing well on that. And then the third is around visibility, and the way I relate this would be like playing a, a sport without a scoreboard there's a different level of intensity so if you don't really know how well or how poorly you're doing it's hard to have that constant improvement and feedback loop so the strategy execution system ultimately allows you to address all three of those components it allows you to look at your your knowledge gap and making sure you're equipping your leaders and team members to know how to improve your performance gap by giving the tools the templates the resources they need to do that well and then the visibility gap we use our technology system to ultimately support that transparency across an entire organization, regardless of size. So they can see the results of what they're doing and how they're measuring up. Mm-hmm. Joining us this week is our guest, Paul Grizel of Core Values Partners. Paul helps organizations focus, align, and accelerate their improvement efforts using the Baldridge Framework for Performance Excellence and the European Foundation for Quality Management Criteria. Now, those who have listened to our shows should be familiar with that, the Baldridge Framework for Performance Excellence. So, Ben, I, how, why do we bring him in, and how do you two work together? Yeah, so uh, Paul is a great guy. We've gotten to know each other, and he is a uh, well-esteemed Baldridge examiner and uh, consultant has been at this for a long time. And the Baldridge examiners are kind of the, like the architects of the process. If you think of the Baldridge framework as the, as the blueprint the architects are the Baldridge examiners, and Paul's one of the best. And uh, we, SOAR, are really the superstructure, if you will, for strategy execution. So if you're building a skyscraper, we're going to frame it all out for you and make sure you have the strategy and the way to be able to execute on it and all the tools and so forth. Paul is going to help you really uh, clarify your journey, make sure that you have alignment and that that ultimately your project, in this case the skyscraper, is is completed exactly the way you want it. And remind people, the Baldridge Foundation has been a lo- been around for a long time since the Reagan administration. This is a sort of t- top tier, good as it gets, best thinkers around the globe. Explain that. 
Yeah, the Baldridge program has been around since uh, 1987. Uh, it was established as a method to uh, to address the quality gap that the United States was addressing at that time. Um, it's uh, it really is based on a set of what high performance organizations demonstrate. And it truly is identifying the role model organizations in the United States. So how have you two worked together and, and what have you learned or shared or and how does this help companies? Yeah, so um, for example, we're going to be working together with a large health system uh, here in the United States shortly. And um, what we've been doing is just preparing the integration of our two uh, operations so that uh, it's seamless for the, the customer. And what it really does for Paul, and Paul, please comment on this, is provides uh, a structure that can help uh, accelerate and expand fairly quickly what he's wanting to do within the organization. Uh, and for us, it really provides that comprehensive scope and, and direction that the organization, organization needs to be successful. I would agree. Um one thing about the Baldridge criteria is that it is non-prescriptive. It doesn't say, here's how you have to do something. So organizations are left to their, their own devices to determine what's the best way to address these questions based on their culture, based on, uh, based on their size, based on any, any number of characteristics. What, uh, what we're able to do as partners is provide prescriptive answers to these very non-prescriptive Baldridge criteria in a way that's helping drive those organizations towards performance excellence. So instead of making a company sort of reinvent the wheel of how we do this, how would this work best, once you learn about the company, then you can sort of give them these strategies based on them? Yeah, SOAR Vision Group is able to bring in demonstrated practices that help with strategy development and strategy implementation, or as they call it, execution, um, and address multiple areas of leadership, and including a, a, a big focus on on the results that are uh, are going to be coming from these effective practices. So maybe we can just take a step up so that we can set the stage and remind listeners of what the the value of what the Baldridge. Um, program, the performance excellence framework, but even the award and what ultimately you're working towards. So just to kind of orient individuals and correct me if I misspeak here, I'm going to ask you to elaborate on some of these, Paul. One is that you have the Baldridge Award, the National Quality Award, which is housed under the National Institutes for Standards and Technology, and that is supported with the Baldridge Foundation. Now, they support the longevity of the NIST Baldridge program correct? That's right. And so from here, the way that the quality award is evaluated at a national program, there's seven categories, which include things such as leadership, strategy, uh, workforce, operations, customers, what are the rest of them, Paul? Measurement analysis and go. knowledge management. Um, everything that an organization does is within this criteria. So as I tell people, it's everything from strategic planning to how often paper towels are, uh, are checked in the men's room can be hung figuratively on that criteria someplace. So it's an, it's an all-encompassing model of excellence based on evidence of what high-performing organizations have done in the past. How important is it to get this Baldridge Award, and how hard is it to get? So you've heard the, the adage before, 
the um, journey is the destination mm-hmm. like, like the, the, that's the award fun so, fact i believe i put that on my high school page <laughs> i'm not did. kidding i did you're so way back at 18 i thought that was a great thing because i didn't know where i was going life is a journey not a destination look at that yes you're prescient there you go so wow i picked yeah. wisely so um <laughs> what it does is over the last 30 years any organization has won the baldridge has demonstrated that they outperform their competitors in their category. And the reason is because it's very, very comprehensive and it manages all aspects of their organization. And it's driven by two very powerful things. One is servant leadership, which is a real commitment to making sure that the employees, the colleagues, and and the customers get exactly what they need. And then an overwhelming curiosity a curiosity to, to understand how they're doing, how to how to improve, et cetera. And, and those things permeate the Baldridge. So when we talk about the organizational hierarchy of needs, which is essentially a visual Baldridge, leadership and continuous improvement representing that curiosity uh, pervade through all of that. But that's why the Baldridge is important, Duffy, because it it represents and has proven over and over again that if organizations can do the alignment with the Baldrige standards, they outperform their competitors. So for people who are following along, you can see this organizational hierarchy of needs if you go to leaderdialogue.com. It's going to be the first thing you see. And we've gone and referred to this each week, but this is a great way to see how this connects with Baldrige. And if you press on any of these, it keeps leading you down. I call it a rabbit hole, but that's that sort of has a negative connotation. It's great. I mean, it, it gives you more information, more information, and sort of focuses you in on what you're looking for. Maybe more of a treasure hunt. I like that better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Paul, can you yeah. tell us about Core Values Partners and what you do and how you support Baldridge, the Baldridge program? Yeah, as, as Duffy said, the, the mission statement of my organization is to help organizations focus, align, and accelerate their performance excellence efforts using the, the Baldridge criteria and the European Quality Award criteria. What what we do is help organizations discover those opportunities for improvement. The great thing about what, what we do and the, the great thing that you find with most organizations that are on the Baldridge journey is that they are good to very good organizations who are saying, you know what, that isn't good enough for us. We want to be a great organization. And the Baldridge journey is not easy. It's, uh, uh, you have some organizations get started on it and they realize, you know what, this is too hard. We're satisfied with where we are. Organizations that are satisfied with mediocrity are not the organizations that are going to, to, to get started on this journey and complete this journey. Typically, there are three to four Baldridge Award recipients each year wow. from various categories. Um, but there are many, many, many organizations that are using this framework to get better. They may apply for the, the Baldridge Award. They may apply for their state or regional award. But there are many organizations that are just using it for improvement. When they identify those opportunities for, for improvement, Organizations like Soar Vision Group can help come in and help coach them through, uh, through strategic planning, through the execution process that so many of them are, are challenged with. And we've talked about that. It's not, this is not easy. You're right, because you are opening yourself up to 
critique to someone showing you maybe what you know and don't want to talk about. I mean, we've talked, we've had people in here who've undergone this and it's, it's at first it's hard, but in the end they all say it's eye opening, and it really is. It finally gives you sort of specific things to improve on. So that's exactly right, and I'm I'm just to put another coat of paint on what Paul was describing when he was talking about good organizations that want to become great. The author of that book, Good to Great, Jim Collins quoted it this way, I see the Baldrige process as a powerful set of mechanisms for disciplined people engaged in disciplined thought and taking disciplined action to create great organizations that produce exceptional results. And so that's exactly what this is about. It is being able to comprehensively, through a a structure and a rigor and a discipline, to get to the greatest level of performance. Now, interestingly enough, Great by Choice is the next book written by Jim Collins in collaboration with Morton Hansen, who is a professor at uh, University of California, Berkeley. Morton Hansen will be the keynote speaker on the Healthcare CEO Innovation Council that we are holding October 18th and 19th in collaboration with the Baldridge and the Wall Street Journal in Chicago, and Morton Hansen is the keynote. He's going to be there. It is a small, intimate 20 CEOs roundtable, and um, he's going to talk about his new book, Great at Work, which is the latest in, this, in the great series. Okay. Um, and so this is what it's all about. It's very well integrated with the, the best established business practices. So out of curiosity, as we relate all of this back to listeners and organizations, I'm curious what you've seen as some of the biggest areas or categories that people struggle with. What are the things that hold people up or the things that can really maybe catapult organizations to kind of the next step along their journey? Well, it's interesting. I had this conversation with my Lyft driver this morning ah. about <laughs> what um, what I see is. The, the greatest challenges in organizations on this performance excellence journey. And if I were to say the, the number one challenge, it's senior leadership. And is senior leadership committed to this journey or are they delegating it to others? Does senior leadership have the thick skin that's necessary mm-hmm. to be able to accept here's what the strengths are for your organization, but also what are the opportunities for improvement? Not necessarily weaknesses, but opportunities for improvement. So no matter how good you are at something, are you willing to take feedback that says, here's what you need to do to, the, to move to that next level of performance excellence. Another area I see the challenge in is, as Baldridge puts it, it's strategy implementation. As SOAR Vision Group puts it, it's execution. So organizations do a a a fair to good job of developing strategy but many times that strategy gets put on the shelf and a year later they look at it and think huh how do we do on that without a a plan for how to implement it how to drive it down through the organization Um, the other challenge is that that link between identifying what's important to your organization having the processes in place to address those, and then having the connected set of results that say, how are we doing? And that's one of the things that the that putting together a Baldridge application, or as I like to call it, 
the management document shows that linkage between those three things. So one thing you, you mentioned that I think is really interesting, especially as you talk about the connection with senior leadership and then this application and the award process, as you're, which is ultimately what you're driving towards. Is it true, and this is something I've seen with organizations, but my assumption, I'd like to hear if you think, is that organizations tend to be much more successful if they're not thinking of this as just an award process or a trophy to sit on the shelf. But if they're really taking the concepts and they're ingraining it in their culture and using it as a true improvement effort to build on the successes and the strengths of their culture and the strengths of their team versus just a, to your point, back to your life journey versus destination. <laughs> right. It seems very applicable to think about it in that approach. Is that fair? That's, that's absolutely fair, and evidence would, would, um, would support it. One thing I've heard from and I've seen with organizations that get started on this journey is initially, even though they may say, you know what, it's all about getting better, eh, senior leaders are thinking, gosh, it'd be nice to, to win mm -hmm. that award. After about three years of applying, getting feedback, making improvements, after about three years is the typical point at which leaders say, okay, is this too hard? Do we want to keep doing this? And some leaders will say, you know what? It's too hard. We're going to be satisfied with where we are. But what, what we've seen from and heard from multiple CEOs is at that three-year point, if leaders then say, you know what? This is hard, but this is the right thing to be doing that's where performance accelerates. So let's talk a little bit more about leadership because what you're describing is determination and persistence to do what's right in spite of adversity and challenges. And as we all know, and we've talked about on the show before, organizations exist in the shadow of their leaders, period. I mean, any time there is a problem, there is always a root cause connection back to leadership. Always, they can't. They they might want to blame something else, but at the end of the day, it's their job to figure out what those obstacles are, remove them, empower people, and process and so forth. So, talk to us a little bit about uh, the the leadership characteristics that you find of the most successful organizations, and the characteristics of organizations that typically will bail at three years. I'll I'll, I'll address the second part of that first. The organizations that decide to bail are the ones that, um, that when, it, when it really comes down to it, they were more focused on winning an award. Yeah. And they wanted a, a, a trophy for the trophy shelf. And they thought, gosh, that had, that, wouldn't that look great? But the organizations that at, at the three-year point say this is the right thing to do are the ones who are able to, to connect well to their mission and vision and recognize that this is going to help them do that especially when you work with healthcare organizations, when you work with um, uh, nonprofits, you know, being able to connect to that mission and vision, and let's face it, even with a manufacturing organization, being able to connect to the why of the improvement journey that you're on makes a big difference, and if you're able to cascade that down through the organization. I guess if I were to say some of the practical things that I, uh, I see in the organizations that, um, uh, that tend to be successful is that those those senior leaders are not just sequestered on the 
18th floor, the executive floor. They're not sequestered over there in the, the corner offices. They're out there with their employees. They're out there listening to their employees. They're looking at the results from customer satisfaction. They're looking at the employee engagement uh, survey results, and they're doing something about it. One phrase that I've heard uh, in the past is, you know, do leaders have a culture of accountability or a culture of optionality? Do they hold people accountable for the performance that's necessary to get the results that they want? So a lot of it is the culture that those, organ that those senior leaders set that is cascaded all the way down through the organization. So is it fair then that that's why you named your company what you named it? In other words, core values are the anchor for that level of behavior? Yeah, and the core values of, uh, of the Baldridge framework are 11 core values that are based on evidence that says, here's what we see in those organizations that are at the highest level of performance. And those 11 are having a systems perspective, visionary leadership, customer-focused excellence, valuing people, organizational learning and agility, focus on success, managing for innovation, management by fact, societal responsibility, ethics and transparency, and delivering value and results. Now. It's much more detailed in the Baldridge Framework book, but essentially, if you're an organization that says, we want to demonstrate high levels of performance excellence, those core values are what you're working towards. So if an organization says, we want to be well represented by those core values, then the criteria itself are like the roadmap to help you get there. So that's one of the things I really like about this is that a lot of organizations, regardless of industry, they have values, right? We have a mission statement. We go through, we write it out, and we don't look at it again. Maybe 10 years later, we come back to it. And same thing with our vision and values. And so a lot of these buzzwords are incorporated into values. But the thing that I really like about the, the Baldridge journey is that it forces you to start to live by them. You can't just say them and keep them on a wall and then never actually act the way that you say you will or want to act. It really has to be something you embrace right. all the way around. Right. And I want to ask you, as people who've dealt with these CEOs, are these characteristics that they carry over into their personal life and other areas? I mean, when, when, if you're doing this, if you're, if you're doing this, the, the following the Baldridge mm -hmm. example... How can you can't be one person at work and one person at home? Right, can you, can, you? You can run, but you can't hide. Right. Right? So, <laughs> it, it probably so, opens up all sorts of well, questions what, for people. Yeah. What happens is the Baldridge is so thorough that, and it's a reflecting surface in many ways that you're you're viewing yourself and your organization in. So a lot of it is about insight. I mean, if somebody unintentionally is somewhat duplicitous, in other words, they have a a game face, a work face, and then they have a personal face. This will help them reflect on how these are core, and 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 they really represent character as much as action. Um, and so that comes out in the process, which is why there's a maturity journey to this thing. It doesn't happen overnight, Paul. Right. So sure. how long does it typically take an organization to go through this? You know, the typical Baldridge Award recipient has been at this journey for anywhere from seven, eight, 
15 years. Wow. So this is a long-term commitment. Now, every once in a while, there's an organization that does it in a shorter time. But that's typical is 7 to 15 years. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so what that, what that means, though, is they do not have to wait for that long to get very dramatic results, particularly if they're using outstanding strategy structures to be able to accelerate things. So we've seen organizations get very, very dramatic results within even 18 months. Paul and I were talking about this on the way over to the the radio show. Um, You can get very dramatic results. But when you're talking about cultural transformation, it's it's a journey. Hence the term, a Baldur's journey. So it goes back to your question around, um, does this kind of spill over into the CEOs? And it goes back to the statement you mentioned, Ben, around operations tend to exist in the shadow of their leader. And I think it's very evident when you have a CEO who is very risk um, averse versus someone who's willing to kind of jump out and put themselves out there. And I I think you do see that a lot. One of the things that's that's interesting to me is that if we look at healthcare in particular, I was just trying to, to see if I could find the number. I don't remember the exact number, but CEOs do not have a long tenure for the most part in healthcare. I want to say it's three, actually about three to three, three and a half years. It's three years. So half. it's interesting to see. I wonder if there's some correlation there with when we look at people typically have three years they figure out what they're going to do but we were talking about this i think on site with one of our um our potential clients and we were saying how you know what kind of a ceo comes in and says hey i want to keep doing everything that the last ceo was doing right right it's almost you have to kind of step out but how do you embed this so far into the journey and into the organization where it becomes again really a lifestyle right not just something that they're doing at the senior level but that everyone sees the value you're working towards Jennifer, one of the things you you mentioned there is that idea of succession. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've found is the high-performing organizations that put together this management document that says, here's how we operate, are the ones who, when, let's say, the CEO retires, they're able to take that management document, show it to the next leader coming in, and say, here's what's gotten us to this high level of performance. We're looking forward to what you can do to take us to the next level. But let's not, let's not start all over. Mm-hmm. So we've got something that says, here's how we operate, a documented operations manual. That would be so refreshing as someone who has worked in companies where you get a new leader and there's in the news business, there's a lot of turnover, as you can imagine. It's all based on ratings and everything else. But I think a lot of leaders feel the need to come in and change everything Mm -hmm. to make a big sweeping change. Sometimes that is absolutely necessary. But how great if you did had proven documentation of this works, what can you do to bring us to the next level? That's right. And with fresh eyes, what should we stop doing? So, um, this kind of stuff is complicated when people hear it because it's multifaceted and and different levels and so forth. So SOAR is always trying to come up with metaphors and examples that make it easier. For example, the organizational needs hierarchy as a visual baldridge. But another one that we came up with that has found a lot of traction is the idea of a tree. So in a tree example, which we will talk about uh, more on the deep dive, but in a tree example, the the roots essentially are your mission, vision, and values. Okay. And then your statement of purpose or your why is the sap 
that goes throughout the tree that every part of the organization needs to to dial into to understand whether they're doing the right thing or not. Um, the growth and development of the tree has to do with a effective communication cycle, which we've talked about before and is on the, the website, that every organization and person within the organization can use effectively wherever they are at to be able to work well together. Um, the next uh, part of the tree, of course, is the trunk. So those are the fundamental business or mother strategies, as we call them. And then the core branches are your objectives. So how are you going to, you know, how do you know that you're actually accomplishing what you set out to do? And then the distal branches are the initiatives or the action items. And the fruit, of course, is the performance measures. So you can you can see that in your mind's eye. You can't have part of a tree producing fruit and the other is barren. It needs to be inclusive. It needs to draw from its roots, which is its you know, mission, vision, values, and the SAP, which is why do we exist, what, what are we trying to serve customers, is what actually is bringing life, essentially, to all parts of the organization. So one of the pieces that connect all that together is that when you move out to those distal branches, that's essentially you're getting closer and closer to the front line. So you're getting into your departments at the front line that what are those initiatives and tactics they're working on. So it goes back to, I don't know if you remember the very first show we talked about, 95% of the front line don't understand how their daily tasks relate back to strategy. Right. Well, if there's no alignment, then you're not going to have their tasks aligned back to strategy. So the example I would think about is if you were to cut a branch and throw it off a few feet off from the tree, it doesn't matter. Even It's not going to live. It's not going to stay there. It's not going to be as successful as if it were actually still embedded in that and tied back. So organizations that we tend to do that a lot with our improvement projects. We have projects that we kind of piece off or they might be pet projects or someone who screamed the loudest to ultimately allocate resources to that initiative. But if it's not tied back to the strategy, it's not going to live for long. It might last for a little while, but essentially it's not going to maintain through change and through other efforts and as the priorities shift for the organization. It's really interesting. We're going to do our next show will be what we call the deep dive, sort of our inside look, um, going in deeper to what we've been talking about. And this is great. Paul, you're going to stay for this so that we, we keep discussing this. But for for companies that want to know more about this, um, if, they're, if they want it, would it be fair to say, look at SOAR, and in that you can also look at Baldridge. The two go together. So the best place is the Leader Dialogue website because that – we developed with the Baldridge. And so it explains the Baldridge, it explains what SOAR is doing to help provide that strategy execution superstructure. And there, as you mentioned, there's a lot of blogs. Um, Paul will very likely be blogging on there. He has written a book, by the way, that is a guidebook for this, which is really a differentiation for his practice. I don't know if you want to just mention that before we wrap up. Great. It's called Insights to Performance Excellence, and it's all about uh, uh, the use of Baldridge and other uh, uh, excellence frameworks. And it has a CD or DVD at the end. It has a, D- a, a, a CD at the end for, uh, for what couldn't fit in the 300-plus pages. Uh, it's available through American Society for Quality or on Amazon. And it's very well done. It's a it's a real differentiator for Paul from the standpoint of uh, what he's doing as a Baldridge examiner. Paul, we're so delighted to have you 
you with us today. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Paul. And thank you to our viewers who are listening. This, of course, Leader Dialogue is presented by Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. Remember to tune in every Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time if you want to listen to us live. And then to hear this episode again or any of our other shows, sometimes we reference stuff. You want to go back and hear that other show. You can go to leaderdialogue.com slash podcasts and then you will get it there um, on behalf of the host ben and jennifer with sword vision group and our producers who you don't hear from very often but they're working hard behind the scenes mike trey and nat i'm duffy dixon and we'll see you next time on leader dialogue on business radio x